When you turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, if you are new to our fellowship, we are going verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can look up on the screen, but we're diving right into chapter 7. If you've been blessed by this verse by verse book study, would you give me a big chi hoo in this room, right? What a joy to be a part of God's story, right? We've learned from chapter 1 to chapter 7 the ministry of Jesus, specifically his healing ministry. And we come to a portion in Scripture where Jesus, it starts to get even more real. I know I say that every Sunday, but it starts to get more real because the intensity of Jesus' ministry goes to a whole nother level. So would you stand with me once again in the reading of God's word, specifically chapter 7. Jesus is moving from his ministry of healing to what I call a confrontation issue. And Mark, who was a Kolohe brother, gives us hope that God can rescue Kolohe people. Can I get a witness, right? He can rescue us. He will rescue us. And in Mark, specifically in chapter 7, we see a beautiful picture of what Jesus does when people take Scripture out of context. Ho mau kau kau. In verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from where? Jerusalem. They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining cups. Coaches And the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to, say that word, the tradition of the who? The elders. But eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, this is Jesus, he's about to drop the hammer. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? Everybody say, oh. Right? This people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of man. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of man. And Jesus said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the what? Commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely what? Die. Pretty intense. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything. For the father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. God, give us clarity. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's Ohana says, Amen. You may be seated. When I was growing up, there was a tradition. Specifically, it was really a tradition of a rule. And it was a rule, and it's for all local people that grew up specifically in Hawaii. And it's this. When you get to the front door of the hale, you have to what? Take the slippers off. Take the slippers off. 
And here's the funny thing about slippers in the Hawaiian context, the local context. The slippers give, and the slippers take away. What does the slippers take away? All right, they take away a good licking on the uh, elemu. Can I get a witness out there, right? I mean, you do not walk into a house with your slippers. Can I get a witness out there, right? Now, I know some of you, some of you were on the uh, high makamaka end, the malahini end of the Hawaiian spectrum over here growing up in the island. So you guys walk inside your house and you guys let animals walk all over your carpet and all that stuff. Where I grew up, animals got hung. All right, now if you support PETA, I'm sorry. All right, I'm not trying to get stepped on your toes, but animals got left at Papaiko Dumpster. Can I get a witness out there? Railroad Avenues, you don't let nothing filthy come into your holly. Does that make sense? Like, it was rude. I mean, it was rude. And for my parents, especially my mother, right, that five-foot-one short Hawaiian fireball Filipino. Can I get a witness out there, right? Like, it didn't take much for even her to spank us. She just had one of those eyes, Hawaiians. You know what I'm saying? Before The Rock was famous for his eye move, my mom had it going. I mean, when mama gave you that look, I mean, I wish she would have just spanked us already. I mean, that look was deceptive. That look was uh, tim- intimidating. That look, I mean, you did not step in the house with your slippers, my boys, going to the mainland, right? It's like 30-something degrees outside, right? And in the mainland, it's a different story. You can walk in your house with your slippers. Oh, flip-flops. Can I get a witness there, right? All right? And you can walk in the house with, with your shoes and all that. But uh, my boys, no matter, it's 30 degrees. They know what's right, right? They take their slippers off. They put their feet on the cold concrete. And you see Kainalu moving fast and running through the house and all that. Because they, they're stuck to a tradition. But mainland tradition is not the same as Hawaii tradition. And so what I want us to see in today's text, there's actually things we do in church that is actually not scriptural. Did you know that? There are things that we take part of, that we do, that actually don't really line up with scripture, but we do it because it was the way we've always done it. And today what we're going to talk about is culture versus commandments. Culture versus commandments. And what we see in our text today we see that legalism in the church will bring death to the church. Let me say that again. Legalism, legality, what you do, what you don't do, who you hang around, who you don't hang around. Let's get even deeper. If you smoke, if you drink, if all these external behavioral things can lead to legalism. It's all about rules and regulations. And one of the most dangerous practices in the church today, even from biblical times, has always been the practice of legalism. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't hang around that person. You got to hang around this person. It's all about what you do and what you don't. And we see clearly in this text that legalism is the whole means of the story. We have a group of men called the religious leaders, specifically the Pharisees and the scribes. Their role in this context was to to make sure that they enforce all rules and and regulations. We call these ethics. This is humanity in their morality. 
They have a law system to abide by. And a few things happen when people are legalistic. And we see this specifically in our verses of the Pharisees and the scribes. There's two truths about the legalistic people. Number one, they are intrusive individuals. Another word for intrusive in the Hawaiian language is niele. Can I get a witness out there? How many of you know one niele, brother and sister up here? Raise your hand, right? Right, all three of you. Maybe just three of you raise your hand because all, all of you are Niele people in this room, right? That's the truth, right? Like, they, you are intrusive people. You always want to know the scoop. You always want to know the gossip. You, you want to be a part of the drama. And this is the reality. In verses 1 to 4, the Pharisees were nosy people. They were Niele. Right, why? I mean, I think there was a right to it because they probably heard all the signs and wonders that Jesus was doing with their people that they could not do. Drop the mic. Right? When, and, and this is a form of jealousy. This is a form of pride, right? Because these Pharisees could not provide healing for a paralytic individual. These Pharisees could not provide uh, a, a fish fry for 20,000 people. Can I get a witness? With just a few breads and, and a free, uh, few uh, fish, right? Oh, that's a hard word to say together. The, the, all right, that's hard. But that's the reality. They could not do what Jesus did. So, like most of us, when Hilo High School is undefeated, we are Niele. We want to see what's going on over there. Promise kind. People come to A building from different programs. They, if you guys don't know A building at a football field, there's, there's windows, and people in the past have put cameras by the windows. They say, well, why are they so progressive? Why are they doing well? Because people are niele. They are intrigued. And, and nothing's wrong always being nosy, but the heart of the matter is the issue. Why did these Pharisees, why were they intrusive, right? Well, the reality is they couldn't do what Jesus did. If you see through all the text, they even said that this same Jesus, these same Pharisees, right, in Nazareth, these same scribes, these same people were saying to Jesus, bro, is that not Joe's boy? Bro, isn't that Hawaiian just a carpenter? What does he have that I don't have? I have a PhD in hermeneutics, Hawaiians. Jesus, he can build a table. Well, so what? I can buy for a, I can buy a table. Right? This, this was the attitude with these Pharisees and with these scribes. And these, these people, look at me, these people exist in the church today. Ohana Church, you're not excused from it. Some of you in this room may have the hearts of Pharisees and of scribes. This is not a victimization sermon where we look at other people's issues today. Can I get a witness out there? Every one of us, if we were honest, we have this intrusive heart just like the scribe and the Pharisees. Like we hear about Jesus just like them. We see Jesus' healing power just like them, right? We see God at work, but then we still have an intrusive spirit like them. Well, I wish the church would be more this way. Well, I wish our leaders would do more of this. Well, I wish you all that. Listen to me. This there does not exempt you from your flesh. Everyone in this room is guilty of being these kind of individuals. And in fact, there are probably, listen to me, there are probably, these Pharisees were probably connected with Jairus in chapter 5 because Jairus was also a religious ruler of the synagogue. 
And so they probably got this information. Probably some of them were Jairus' colleagues and friends. And if you don't remember who Jairus was, his 12-year-old daughter was dead, and Jesus brought her back to life. And so they were probably a part of this whole thing, and they were nosy and yelly about what Jesus had done. Number two, what we see about legalistic people is that they are critical individuals. They are critical, meaning those who are critical are usually those who struggle with insecurity. Can I get a witness out there? In fact, critical individuals will blame others rather empower them. Critical individuals are hard and at times not willing to change. Critical individuals seek out disunity. Critical individuals are not connect, concerned. Listen to me. They are not concerned primarily about their personal development. They're concerned of everybody else's development, but not theirs. And these scribes and these Pharisees, they were critical Individuals. Another C word that I would use, they were also controlling. Right? If you did not do what I said because I am the scribe, because I am a Pharisee, then some of them would be whipped. Some of them in this culture will be killed because they use their platform as an authoritative position rather a humility position. Their relationship with God wasn't about humility. The relationship with God was about authority. Be critical. You have power. Be controlling. You have power. God has made you a Pharisee. God has made you a scribe. This is the way they would view it. So if God gave me this role, then I'm going to abuse this role, and I'm going to make much of it by being critical and also by being very controlling. And what they did is they would take the Old Testament laws, and they would refine it to what best Thought, uh, taught then. You thought eisegetical preaching was just today? No. Eisegetical preaching was of the old times as well. They take specifically, and we look up at not the Old Testament, like the Ten Commandments and Numbers and Leviticus and all the Levitical law, and they made it fit their controlling, critical purpose. I want you to see what J.B. Phillips, New Testament, says about these verses. He says, they had noticed that Jesus' disciples ate their hands with common hands meaning that they had not gone through a ceremonial washing. The Pharisees, the Pharisees and indeed all the Jews would never eat unless they have washed their hands in a particular way, following a traditional rule. And they will not eat anything about in the market until they have first performed their sprinkling. And there are many other things which they considered important, concerned with the washing of cups, jug, and bases. Here you go. This is how legalistic people control or oppress others. They use, listen to me, they use religion and traditions to place fear in people to obey them. And listen to me, if there is anything we can learn from legalism in this verse, it's this reality truth on the screen. Legalism always leads people away from God and towards religion. Let me say that again. Legalism always leads people away from God and towards religion. Let me make a distinctive between what is religion and what is Christianity, all right? True, genuine Christianity. We actually call it the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. The religion teaches this is what you have to do to be in right standing with God. I, polole, right? But, Reli but the gospel is the opposite. 
The gospel teaches this is what God has done for humanity to be in right standing with God. Does that make sense? I want you to think about every religion you can think of. All right? Even Christianity itself, it can be a religion too. We can often tell people of what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And then we will think that based on their walk with the Lord, right, they're actually incompetent because what they're doing or not doing. Can I get a witness there, right? That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not determined by you. That is religion. The gospel of Jesus Christ has always been and will always be determined on what God has done for you. This is why you're called a sinner. You are a sinner because you what? Oh, my goodness. Some of you don't even know that. You're a sinner because why? You sin, right? And sin separates us from a holy God. We need someone supernatural to bridge the gap between damnation and heaven. His name is Jesus. Jesus can do that. Only he could do that. That's what he's been doing with all these people who are sick and who are lame and who needs redemption physically. But ultimately, we learned last week, they were also redeemed and made well spiritually. So legalism always leads people away from God to, and towards religion. These Pharisees should be amazed. They should have been amazed at what God has done for their own people. Instead, their evilness of legalism blinds them from what God is doing. Could you have legalistic eyes this morning? Is that you this morning? Like, are, are you missing out on what God is actually doing? Because I promise you, whether you see it or not, God is at work. Whether you see it or not, or are you waiting for a, a are you ha, do you have expectations that God has not placed on yourself that you've placed on other people? God has given his grace. God has given his mercy. We see that, that these individuals are intrusive and critical individuals. But if the story just stops there, there is really no hope at all whatsoever. So I want to end today with two realities about Jesus. Jesus confronts hypocrites. Say that with me. One, two, three. Jesus confronts hypocrites. Now say this word after I say it. Jesus confronts me. Say it together. Jesus confronts me. Now make it more personal. Say it louder. One, two, three. Jesus confronts me. Again, this is not a victimized message today. All right? This message confronts all of us at the core. It's easy for us to blame these Pharisees and these scribes, but ultimately, as we teach biblically, exegetically, expositorily, the reality is every one of us are hypocrites. I'm guilty. I don't stand up here perfect and like I got it all together. I understand that apart from God, I am nothing. Therefore, that's why when I'm not in fellowship with God, I do things that are nothing, right? Hypocritical, condescending, evil, sinful, and Jesus, listen to me, Jesus in his grace confronts me. Can I get an amen over there, right? Like that, that's the joy to this message, that Jesus confronts me, the hypocrite. Jesus confronts me, the lawless person. Jesus confronts us, the church that needs holiness. Jesus confronts the community, the community that needs the gospel. And I want you to see specifically through these verses some of the ways Jesus confronts hypocrites. Mainly, number one, Jesus confronts with scripture. 
Jesus confronts with scripture. In fact, Jesus uses a familiar writing that these Pharisees and scribes all followed. It's the, the writing of Isaiah the prophet. And this is what we know about Isaiah. Isaiah wrote these verses around 700 years before Jesus came to the earth. And Isaiah said these words that Jesus quotes. He says this, these people, us, you all, y'all in Tennessee we say, right? These people honors me with their lips, but their heart is what? Far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, the teachings, right, of commandments of men. Listen to me. This is the definition of hypocrisy. These religious leaders whose foundation of ethics and laws and morality were installed by God himself, but instead they use man-made traditions like washing your hands, like leaving your slippers by the door, right, to put fear in people. Jesus was not fooled by that. He confronts them with this issue through Scripture, right? And this changes the way we respond, the way we should respond in situations. Am I, this is what I'm saying. Listen to me. If you want to handle a situation that you cannot handle, or just a situation in general, let me tell you loud and proud, read the Scriptures. Now, does the Scripture address every single detail and all that? No, because the Scripture don't change because times change. The scripture is permanent because culture is different here in the mainland versus here in the islands. It doesn't change. The scripture doesn't attack every single topic, but it gives enough for us to live today. Can I get a witness there? And tomorrow. And until we see Jesus up in glory. And so here's an application truth about confronting people with scripture. The key to confronting people with scripture is that we must value reading scripture. Right? How can we ask God for questions when we don't read the answers that he gave us, right? How can we ask God for, the, for, for, for mana'o, for ike, for this wisdom and all that, but the very thing he's given us, right, we don't read. Secondly, also, for those of you who read it religiously, you take it out of context, right? Maybe that should be a series next summer, out of context, right? The reality that we all, for a famous scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. Can I get a witness out there, yeah? That's, or, or Philippians 4, 13. Always take out of context. Did you know both verses was written in suffering? Like Jeremiah was the only convert left behind when everybody went to Babylon. Like he was the only believer in Israel. Do you know that when Paul wrote Philippians 4, 13, he was in jail, beaten, left astray, left alone. Did you know that? Right? But when we score touchdowns today in the NFL and we got fantasy points, praise the Lord, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. That is not what it's talking about. And this is true for the individuals that we're talking about, the Pharisees and the scribes. They are taking a scripture specifically out of the Old Testament out of context. This is why we must value the word of God. Did you know that 88% of Americans own a Bible? Now, this is not just Christians. This is people in general. Did you know that 88% of people in America owns the Bible? Now, listen to this stat. But only 37% of them actually read it. Let me say that again. 88%. There's millions upon millions upon millions of people in America. All right? Have 
access to a Bible, but only 37% reads it. And listen to me, I believe the problem may be legalism. People are turned off by legalism. And when we're turned off by legalism, we believe the messengers rather than the message. I want you to hear that again. And so we blame, we blame the last church we went to, we blame the church we're currently in, and we're probably going to continue to blame the next church we're in, right? Because what happened is legalism has come into your heart, legalism has come into your family, legalism has come into the church, and what has happened is just like the Pharisees and the scribes, we become jaded in this faith walk. We become cynical. Oh, Jesus can't do this anymore because that church is wrong. No, don't always believe the messenger. Everyone on the face of this planet who have lived, who is living, who's going to live, listen to me, we are all incompetent beings. Can I get a witness out there? We've all fallen short of God's glory. We need someone more capable and more competent than us. That's the Lord Jesus. Jesus has given us his word, specifically here in 2 Timothy 3 that we preach a lot, where it says, all scripture... Is breathed out by God, profitable for her. Listen to me. Say that first word, teaching. So people should be what? Teaching, right? For reproof, right? Right? The word reproof is that nobody can point a finger at any sin that's in your life. For what? Correction. And listen to me. You shouldn't just be receiving correction. Hear me out, Hines. You should be asking for correction. I can know someone's heart that I lead or love when they ask for correction. That's me included. It's not just good enough that you receive correction. Every one of you, when you lead, here's an action step. Every one of you, when you lead today's service, this is what you have to ask somebody that you're close to, that's a follower of Jesus. Hey, is there anything in my life that I can be better at? Can I get a witness out there, right? And probably there's not much amens because that's not true in your walk today. And I say this because I love you, right? Like, is there anyone in your walk that you can say, hey, man, how can I be a better sister? How can I be a better husband? Biblically, right? Is any of you asking these important questions? Because if you're truly reading scripture the way God read it, it's not just for you to do, right? But it's also for you to be. I need to be more understanding of my own development, more understanding about my own correction, more understanding about my own reproof and teaching. And then lastly, he says, for the training up in righteousness. Look, God is not coming back for people who are great communicators. <laughs> God is not coming back for people who, who you know, I'm going to tell you this. There's, I thought I saw a quote on social media that was powerful. There are going to be people who were, went to church every Sunday, who was in small group every week, who got baptized, who did not drink and smoke, and they will be in hell. Because Christianity is not about what you do or don't do. Christianity is from the inside out. It's from the na'ah, the puvai, that God come to change that through the scripture, the proclamation, proclamation of his word. This is the beauty. Listen to me. This is the beauty of looking to Jesus as our model and not no one else. Can I get a witness there, right? The confrontation is not fun, but because Jesus loves sinners, he was confrontational. Let me say that again. Confrontation is not fun. Listen to me. I am a football coach. I kick people off the team on a regular basis. I can promise you that. And if I always thought about what their mom thinks, 
what their dad thought, what all these other things thought, right? And listen to me. I know that if God gave me that position and I'm pulling it in the way I'm doing it, then guess what? He's going to sustain me through it because he gave it to me. We have to be confrontational people. How do we be confrontational people? We use God's word to lome lome and honi honi those we have relationship with. Does that make sense? Look at what 1 John 4 says. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Hallelujah. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Look, here's another truth about this reality about Jesus. Number two, Jesus commands honor. Jesus commands honor. In verses 9 to 13, Jesus brings up scripture again. This time, he goes straight to the fifth commandment. Does anybody know what the fifth commandment is? Anybody? Oh, KJV, honor thy mother and father, right? Here's the reality, right? Right? Like, if if you think God instituted it as one of the main commandments in the Ten Commandments, do you think it would be important? I mean, more important than the washing of hands, right? Because God said it to be. God did it. And look at this. Honoring your parents, even today, is not a request. Honoring your parents is what God tells us to do. Look, the Pharisees were known to twist scripture. They would use specifically Numbers 30 of making a vow to the Lord to justify their traditions. So when they would come to the temple and they would begin, like for our day, we would get our doctrine and our, our doctrinal degrees or our master's degrees and all of that. We would think we like, oh, we all that. We did our training. We did all that. And what these Pharisees and scribes would do is they would neglect their family who are in need, desperate help for them. And they would use Numbers 30 as an avenue and as a truth to say, well, it's just me and God. They also would use... Uh, uh, they'll also use Luke 14 where you must hate everybody else and just love me as an excuse to dishonor their mother and father. But listen to me. Jesus said that God told Moses to tell them, if you dishonor your mother and father, this is the penalty. Everybody says it. Death. Hey, we got a safe here. We got a safe here, Right? We got CPS workers. We got foster care. Like, like we got, I'm not saying everyone is perfect and right in those areas, but we got it going here. As a counselor now at the school, if you heard what I hear, where how students dishonor their parents, call them a blankety blank this and a blankety blank. In these times of ethics and behavior, they will be put to death. Jesus drops a bomb on them. He says, what you vow is dishonor and not honor. Jesus was not fooled by them taking Numbers 30 out of context. This passage is true for many of us today. We use scripture out of context, and that's a fruit of legalism. Why? Because we want it our way. May we never, ever at our funerals have that Elvis Presley song song sung at our funerals. I did it my way. Because here's the problem. You're a sinner 
because you did it your way and not God's way. What Jesus does, he reminds them that God calls us to honor him. These Pharisees forgot the main point of this whole idea of God's laws and commandments. You ready? The greatest law of all was what? It. Love. Love. And they were so focused in our context on soap and water. But here's the problem that did not clean the heart. Their heart was more wicked as wicked can be. Holman Commentary says that this is, Jesus was disgusted with the traditions of the scribes and Pharisees. By observing the tradition of man, they neglected the greater law of love. Jesus showed the parallel of being content with outward observations, uh, observances while the heart is full of selfishness and sinful. Tra tradition had replaced truth. I'm praying that as we talk about the gospel today, those of you who have children, that your main goal is not to make your students or your child, your appeal, your keiki, your pepe, better athletes, better students, better community servers, better missionaries. All right? Quote, unquote. But that your energy, your efforts is spent in pointing your babies to the gospel. The message of Jesus. And guess what? If they know the message of Jesus, everything else is the overflow of them knowing Jesus. And what Jesus does, you may see, that, oh man, Jesus is pretty critical and controlling. I, I want to flip the script from you. But he's doing it the right way. Nothing's wrong being critical. Nothing's wrong being controlling. Uh, especially for one who is God in the flesh. Can I get a witness, right? He has all the right to be critical. He has all the right to be controlling because he is the creator of the universe. He can make it happen, right? Jesus is actually, everybody should rejoice today because Jesus did not need to answer these foolish men. Jesus would have been just in his wrath to dismiss them of their question, which was probably sarcastic, and foolish but Jesus in his grace in his mercy meets us where we are us sinners separated from him and he drops the hammer and he says you've lost the greatest law of all love if there's anything we would get out of this message today let us love God and let us love one another. I'm going to ask the Allah to come on up.